it's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast out, out here, out here, I should say. Hope everyone out there is uh, doing well. Man, a little tongue twister here to start off the episode. Hope everyone's having a great week, a Friday edition of the podcast, as I mentioned. So we have a great guest for you and another great guest uh, scheduled today that you guys, uh, I, I think, will we'll really, really enjoy. Uh, this guest was forwarded to me. Uh, from a good friend, Todd Carson. Uh, I've never met this individual before. So uh, what you see today, what you hear today is definitely uh, a, a first time uh, meeting, first time acquaintances talking. So uh, I'm going to be joined today by John Dutton. And uh, John Dutton, if that name sounds familiar, that's a, that's a main character in television show uh, Yellowstone played by Kevin Costner. I'm a fan of that show. Uh, but uh, this is not that John Dutton, uh, just a coincidence. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, John. Uh, again, introduced to me by Todd Carson. Uh, these are some things Todd said to me, so I, I don't know if they are 100% accurate. We, we will confirm them with Mr. Dutton here upcoming, but just a little bit about uh, John Dutton today. He led the NCAA in passing as a quarterback at Nevada. He got drafted and played 13 seasons in Arena Football League, winning two championships. He played for John Elway in Colorado. I think Elway's team, uh, whatever team that was, uh, and we'll, again, we'll hear about that today from, from John Dutton. Uh, so anyway, big-time football player. Uh, he became a missionary and adopted two boys from Africa. Uh, he coached uh, alongside Todd uh, at McLeod High School up in uh, Northern California, so that's where they met. And uh, he's coaching now down in Reno, uh, in Reno, Nevada. So making a return to where he played his college ball. So we'll get into all that with Mr. Dutton today. Again, I've never met him, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. So uh, let's jump right into it and uh, let's meet Mr. John Dutton. Okay, it is my privilege to bring on the show today, John Dutton. No, not the actor the character i should say from yellowstone i'm sure he gets that a lot but he is a currently an offensive coordinator for reno high school in nevada and had a great football playing career he's done great work as a missionary lots to cover here uh but let's say hello first john dutton welcome to the get home safe podcast well thank you yeah it's a pleasure being on here with you you know, uh, my good friend Todd Carson came to me. He's an avid listener of the program. He's been on here a few times. I actually coached with Todd, too. Uh, he came on and he told me, hey, I got a great guy for your podcast. Uh, he said he would do it. And uh, you've coached alongside Todd a little bit up in uh, Northern California. So uh, uh, I appreciate Todd setting this up. Uh, and uh, I guess how long have you have you known Todd? How long have you coached Todd or coached with Todd? Uh, we met, it must have been around 2017. Uh, we, we both had kind of moved into that Mount Shasta McLeod area. He was actually living in weed because of his, uh, his in-laws lived up there and through a couple different families, they were like, Hey, you got to meet this, this family. You got to meet this guy. And you guys have a lot of the same vision as far as sports and, 
you know, kind of doing it as sports ministry. And so we, we uh, kind of hooked up and then I took the job or actually we both uh, were McLeod was a really small high school at, uh, I think 20 something kids. And uh, you know, we started talking and he wanted to kind of lead a program. And uh, so I applied for the head football job and I, I kind of, in my interview, I was very, very outspoken and like, Hey, uh, there's this other guy interviewing for the AD job and uh, probably would be a good fit for him and me to kind of be here on campus and everything. So he got the AD job and the uh, men's basketball coaching job. And then I got the football job. And so uh, he was my assistant uh, during football season. And then I flipped around and helped him as uh, he was the head basketball coach. So it worked out good. And We've been friends ever since. Oh, it's outstanding. Yeah, I had the privilege to coach with Todd for four years, and that's really where we became really good friends. So I know that uh, kind of when you, when you find that, that buddy you enjoy spending time with coaching and preparing, I mean, uh, that's a special bond for sure. And Todd coached me back when I was in uh, junior high, and, and that's where I kind of met him and everything. But uh, Todd's a great guy. You know that. Uh, his family knows that. I, I can just imagine uh, the the connection here, the uh, the 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 uh, unif- unification, really, or whatever, of your two backgrounds. Uh, yeah. You're only putting something uh, together nice. So um, we'll get more to Todd later on, but let's talk about you, uh, John. First of all, you get the, the the whole Yellowstone show. Do you get that often? Hey, John Dutton from Yellowstone. Yeah, you know. Little bit ago, it was kind of hey, John Dutton, you, you play football or something like that, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, that I, you know, I saw you play now. It's like, oh, John Dutton, I'm like thinking, you know, maybe back in the day, maybe they saw me play football and had nothing to do with football anymore. It has to do with Kevin Costner and the Dutton Ranch and all that. I haven't even seen actually an episode of it, uh, but I hear more about it uh, from other people. Kind of when my name pops up, they give me a, a kind of a second look. So. <laughs> yeah you're a uh, you're a fictional character and some would say he's like one of those uh anti-heroes where he's the yeah, you know. main character but people don't like him anyway well I'll take his rant, but maybe not oh, his lifestyle yeah yeah exactly exactly well let's get to the uh the real john dutton if we will uh john you had a great football career you, you've done great work in ministry now you're coaching i mean a lot to get to but kind of let's start from the beginning where did you where did you grow up uh, well, I was born and raised down in Southern California. Um, we lived in Huntington Beach at the time, moved inland a little bit to Tustin. And then when I was about eight or nine, we moved down to the North County of San Diego, uh, kind of a small town for down there called Fallbrook, uh, not too far from Oceanside and Carlsbad area. And uh, yeah, so my parents still live there and same house for, shoot, I don't even know how long that was now, a uh, long time, 37 years, something like that. So uh, yeah, but really my whole life was sports. And, uh, you know, I grew up playing, uh, you know, obviously I started football when I was six years old. So, uh, started football, basketball, baseball, uh, just love sports. Uh, we loved out the outdoors. My family, uh, had a very strong family unit, uh, with my fam, with my parents, my, uh, my sister. And yeah, so, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. We would go to church. We, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it was good there. Um, but yeah, sports was kind of my thing. I love sports and I didn't know, I didn't really have a dream of NFL or anything like that. When I was a kid, I was just having fun. Um, 
knowing, knowing that, you know, I was excelling at some of these sports and, and, but my dad and my mom never pushed me and never was, you know, nowadays it's so different. You know, I mean, you got camps and combines and the recruiting and all that has gone personal training lessons. It's gone crazy right now. But back then my parents just wanted me to have fun. And uh, my dad was my football coach all through Pop Warner. So that was an unbelievable experience. And then, um, yeah, I just got into, it was a kind of a, our, Fallbrook was a small town. Um, it, the whole town revolved around the high school and specifically the football team. And so even growing up, that was, you know, the Pop Warner, we, we couldn't wait to get onto that high school football team and wear those jerseys. And so it was a, it was a really good uh, experience for me growing up there. And um, obviously it was really high level football for being in, you know, San Diego, we were, you know, at that time, three, a was the highest. And so, yeah, we were, we were, it was good football and uh, a great experience for me on and off the field. You know, uh, youth sports is interesting. And I always think about these uh, these questions for people like yourself who've played at the highest level. Now there's, especially football, there's this kind of, um, well, two things. There's the specialization, like you mentioned, where it's just play one sport year round or train, train, train. It's like, I think you can either get burnt out and it's good to play other sports too. I just heard a podcast uh, the other day, Mark Sanchez from uh, Orange County, California. He was super talented. He played, you know, all the sports and, and even in high school, he was the three sport guy. And uh, so two questions come to mind for you. Uh, number one, if you can touch on is just the kids playing multiple sports. You said it's just for fun. I mean, I think it's a good thing that kids play multiple sports. And then the other one is kind of football specific, there seems to be this uh, attack on football these days. You know, kids are, are not playing it at, at as young of age. And as someone who's played at the highest level, do you think it is good for kids to play football or or uh, maybe they should wait a little bit? Two, two different questions I know. Attack whichever one you want. Yeah, well, yeah I'll go after the multi-sport. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of multi-sports, you know, and um, obviously we're, we're living in a, in a culture where, there's so much the social media, the, the everything on TV that you see and everybody thinks they're going to make it to the NBA, the NFL, the major league baseball. Um, and for sure, everyone thinks they're going D one in everything, you know? And so when you, I don't know if it's necessary to the kids, but the parents are really starting to, and it's not just starting this has been going on for quite a long time. And it's like, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of that, you know, there were some kids that just played one sport, but if you were an athlete, if you could do anything, you, you, you just played sports, you know, maybe you weren't as great at basketball, but you, you were really good at football. Well, you still went out kind of for that basketball team. Uh, I think what helped me in football was basketball, you know, the, the footwork, uh, the different conditioning, we would even work out a little bit differently. You know, we had more of a circuit training in basketball where our football was more of the powerlifting and all that. Um, but then also my football definitely helped my basketball where the physical nature of football carried over. And when I would go against, I mean, I, I played against some NBA players in high school. I was 6'4", and I'd be going against 6'10", 6'11", 6'8", guys, but they were basketball guys. So I would use a lot of my physicality of like, I'm, 
and I was a quarterback still, but just the nature of the football mindset, I would bring that sometime. I would have to bring that because these guys were much better basketball skilled than I was. But I, I just think these sports just help each other and they help you develop uh, mentally. It helps you develop uh, just different skills that maybe football doesn't develop, but basketball will. And, you know, soccer is a huge thing. I think I, I, I didn't play soccer. I think I played one or two years, but the footwork of soccer. Yeah. It might not be your favorite sport, but it's going to help you as a kid, you know? And ultimately too, I think when I played basketball in high school, it was kind of just, it was for fun. I knew my sport was football by then. And I was just, it was a break from football and the, 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 kind of just, it got me out of the mode of football and, but I was still competitive. I still, you know, uh, we were still a very good, good basketball team. And I loved, I actually loved playing basketball, maybe even more than football, but football was my thing. And I didn't have to do it year round. I was just, once I got to basketball season, football was out the door and I focused on basketball right after the basketball season, I'd go right back into football for the spring. But yeah, I think kids, it, it's kind of getting a little, little out of hand where even at my high school here, we have, there's some probably low level, maybe even mid-major D1 football players that have stopped playing because they want to focus on baseball. And whether that's a coach giving them some false reality, whether it's just the nature of kids nowadays, like, oh, I don't want to go through football and that the rigor of football or these crazy dreams of we're all making it to the major leagues or we're all going to go to the NBA. And I think if you can play multiple sports, it's going to help you in the one sport that I think you will end up playing in the future. Mm, very well said. Yeah. Every time you hear uh, documentaries or something on NFL guys or NBA guys, they always talk about, you know, playing multiple sports. Now, granted, those guys are super talented, so it's probably more natural for them, but my thought is, you know, what do you do after football season? What do you do? What do you do between the, you know, three and, and whatever time, uh, you know, that you get home? I mean, to me, sports is good for activity, your mind, your body, everything. It keeps you out of trouble as well uh, at a young age. And then, uh, you know, then what are your, what are your thoughts on, on kids playing, playing football? You started at six years old. I started at, I think, seven years old. Uh, uh, you know, I loved it as a kid, but what are your thoughts on kids playing football at a young age? You know, I just actually had this talk uh, with someone and it, I think it really depends on the kid. I really do. Um, you know, in my, in my family, we have kind of two scenarios. Um, now football is a different story because I think the physicality, uh, the concussions now are starting to, you know, obviously um, that's a huge issue, but just sports alone, you kind of like, I played since I was six and I, and I played until I was 37 years old and I never got burned out. You know, there was never a time where like, oh my gosh, I just need a break. But no, no, I, I just loved it. But I think what happened was I played multiple sports. So I didn't get burned out of football. I didn't get burned out of just basketball. You know, I was like, I, I couldn't wait till the next season because I took a, a little break there. Um, but I have a, I have a cousin uh, he's, he's a younger cousin. He's kind of my, my son's age. He just graduated high school. Um, and he, he his, his uh, mom was, we were very close. She was a division one volleyball player, unbelievable athlete. And my cousin ended up, he was, I think he's about 6'10 now. 
and he played baseball and basketball. Unbelievable talent. I mean, 6'10 pitcher, uh, basketball player, all that. And, you know, all I would hear was he was in every travel team, every personal training lesson, they, all this stuff. He's this, he's that, and this great kid, unbelievable. In a, I mean, just the smartest kid you've ever, ever seen, but he was a heck of a uh, athlete. But by the time his high school career was ending, he was done. He was burned out. You know, he, he's, he ends up now he's not playing any sports. He's going to college for engineering, which is unbelievable. Right. But, you know, I, I really feel he obviously could have gone on and played in college any sport he wanted baseball or basketball. Uh, but he was just burned out. Then you, you know, and that's, I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, he's, he's going to be, he'll probably make more money doing what he's going to be doing now than sports, you know, cause he's a, he's super smart, great kid. And, but my sons, you know, my wife was an Olympic level gymnast, Olympic level swimmer, multi-sport in college, which you don't hear about much. And obviously I played sports my whole life. So when our kids were getting, when we had kids, that's all we were talking about. You know, youth sport, we couldn't wait to watch our kids play. And eventually we adopted two kids and they became our older sons and kind of our focus were put on them and they were playing soccer. They were from Ethiopia. So they love soccer. So we had to figure out that sport. You know, I had to go watch soccer, but when your kids are playing soccer, it's a lot better. Uh, when you, when you don't know anybody, I, I, it's okay. But um, so my, 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 my biological kids really had to take a step back and not play all these youth sports and travel teams. And then when we ended up going overseas and being missionaries and traveling, you know, they didn't get that, you know, and we were feeling, oh man, are we, are we not giving them these opportunities as a kids, you know, as kids. But right now, my one son who just graduated high school is in a post-grad basketball program in Indiana. My younger son is a junior receiver at the high school I coach at. And I tell you what, they're development-wise, yeah, they're a little bit behind um, as far as just playing time. But I tell you what, mentality and physical, they are so hungry to work and get better. They're, They're not burned out. And I think those are kind of two extremes that we have, but my sons, like high school sports is high school sports, love high school sports. But a lot of people, if you want to play high school sports, you get to play high school sports. There's not a lot of tryouts, you know, basketball has some tryouts and stuff, but you know, if, if you can play, you're going to play high school, but that percent, that percentage is under 5% who go on to any college level and that's what my kids want. And, you know, so they're so hungry right now. And I think it really depends on the kid. If I was, I played at six years old, I did all the training. I worked out my whole life, you know, and I never got burned out. Some kids, you can't push them like that. You got to just, I think it just depends on uh, your situation and your kids, how their mentality is. If they love the sport, they're going to continue. If they don't like it and they're just good at it, you got to really be careful because I think you're going to burn these kids out. And uh, when it really counts going to college, getting a full ride scholarship, and it's basically, you're going to get what $200,000 in your pocket. If you get a full ride scholarship, uh, that's when it counts. And a lot of these kids are just giving up on sports and saying, "Uh, 
I want my summers. I want my Christmas breaks. I'm tired of practice. I'm tired of working out. I'm just going to go to school and, or just go and get a job, which is great. I'm not putting that down, but I just see so many kids who have the ability to move on. They just been burned out. And whether it's the parents' fault, whether it's youth sports, whatever, TV, social media, all these pressures, but I see it both ways. I really do. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's there's uh, it's a fine line, right? You have to commit to this. You got to you got to dive in, especially if you want to play at the next level. You got to put in the extra work, get up early, all that. But you you also can't get burned out to where you just lose interest. There's a lot of options and distractions out there for kids now. Uh, technology is just at, at our fingertips. And I think the parenting has changed a lot to, to your point earlier. Uh, there is this kind of pressure on kids, you know, instead of like, uh, I don't know, the, the, the right amount of, uh, of a push. It's like, you know, anyway, it's a fine line. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to see for sure. Uh, what about your high school career, John? Uh, was it Fallbrook High School or was it another name? How, how was your high school uh, uh, football playing experience? How'd you guys do? Yeah, it was Fallbrook High School. It was a, you know, one high school town and, um, you know, freshman year, uh, you know, we were really good, had a great team. And uh, well, really, it goes back to really my eighth grade year. My dad was my Pop Warner coach and he became friends with the head football coach at the at the high school. And we actually ran uh, John Elway's high school coach, Jack Newmeyer, uh, actually put in our high school's offense. Um it was probably, you know, five, six years before I got there. And the offense was, I mean, back then we were chucking the ball around and uh, it was his offense and the one, you know, so, but in eighth grade, my dad was like, man, let's, let's get, let's get this system in the pop Warner. So when you guys get to high school, you got already got a year under your belt. So my eighth grade year, I was meeting with the high school coaches, the quarterback coach, the head coach. I was learning their system. And we implemented that on our eighth grade team, which back then you throw the ball at that level. There's no one's going to they don't know what to do. You know, so (laughs) we were we were we went to the junior Super Bowl my eighth grade year. And and then my ninth grade year, it it just it just continued. We were undefeated my my uh, freshman year because we already knew the system. You know, we already had been playing this system and, and I had been in the system. So I was audible in, and I was, uh, even as a freshman and then my junior or my sophomore year, I got called up to varsity. I was a young, uh, sophomore. So I had to wait a few back then you had to be, I think 15. Um, I think that there's some rules like that, but I was, I was a young, so I had to wait a couple of weeks of my, uh, sophomore year, but yeah, my, I played two and a half years of varsity and, uh, you know, learned tons of football for my coach, Coach Pack in Fallbrook. He, uh, unbelievable coach. We had a lot of good players. And then as my junior year, you know, about mid-junior year was kind of when all the letters started coming in. And back then, that's what we got. You know, we got actually things in the mail. You know, there's no social media. So every day, you know, you get home and you start opening those letters from everywhere. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> um, started getting invited to some camps. Uh, you know, they they would invite you to their, their, their uh, summer camp. And so, yeah, I started putting my list together going into my senior year and I would love to have stayed, you know, in the California area. I loved SC. Um, even, you know, I, I would have gone to UCLA. I liked Cal. I liked Stanford. Um, I liked all those teams and they were recruiting me. They were uh, SC, UCLA were very high on me. They, I went to their personal camps. 
uh, Stanford. I got to work with Bill Walsh personally at the wide receiver quarterback camp. I was one of five guys that he selected. Um, Cal was definitely an option. Washington State, Drew Bledsoe was going through there. So he was putting up crazy numbers. And so going into my senior year, I had kind of compiled a West Coast list and was very excited to see what was going to happen. Uh, set my recruiting trips and I had, I think we got five back then, official visits and I only had four scheduled. And then about, gosh, it was probably maybe a couple weeks after, uh, a couple weeks after my uh, high school season got over, I get a call from Texas, University of Texas. I'm like, all right, who? <laughs> I'm not going to Texas. Like there's, I like California and Texas is flat and deserty. I'm not going back there. And my dad's family was actually from Oklahoma. So that was like, no, no way. No. Down the horse. <laughs> but I was like, well, I got an open visit and I'll go back there. Well, shoot, you land in Austin, Texas. That's a whole different world. You know, you fly over the, the hill country, you see Lake Travis, you see downtown Austin. Then they take you into the facilities and all the history of Texas. And they know how to recruit. All these big schools know how to recruit. And so I left there like, and at that time, John Makovic was the head coach and he had come from Illinois and the NFL. And so he was, um, you know, a, a passing game guy. And I just really felt it fit. There was a couple California kids already on the team. And um, so I came home, talked to my parents and, you know, SC ended up not recruiting a high school quarterback that year. UCLA didn't bring in a high school quarterback that year and Washington state because drew Bledsoe left early, they brought in a JC guy. So I was like, so it kind of, what years, what years were we talking here? I'm trying to put a timeline on, on like uh, 1993, 93. So SC UCLA, they were both doing okay at that time, or at least in the future years. Yeah. And then, um, so shoot, I, I committed to Texas pretty early. I committed before Christmas time. Uh, just because I wanted to kind of get that stuff over and I was playing basketball at that time. So, uh, you know, all the coaches would come to my basketball games and watch me play. And, uh, but then I, once I committed to Texas, that was it. Uh, I didn't take any more phone calls. I, I was done. I, I really felt my heart. That was the place for me to go and, um, signed the letter the next, uh, you know, I think in February, whenever we did and, and then, uh, went off to Texas, uh, that summer. Interesting. Well, before we get into college, uh, back to high school, just one last thing. Do you, I mean, I played a very small school at Rio Hondo prep. I'm sure Todd talked to you about uh, very small. Uh, so I got to be quarterback and um, you know, I always remember my last snap and my first snap. You, you talked about being a sophomore there playing. Do you remember your first snap uh, being nervous, especially as a, as a sophomore? And then do you remember uh, your last snap of high school football? Yeah, my, that first game. So what happened was, you know, I played a little bit of JV because I was 14 years old still. And I, uh, I didn't, I don't turn, I didn't turn 15 till the end of September, but when they moved me up, we were, we were doing pretty well so that I didn't start that first game. I, I played a little bit, but my first start, we were playing against San Diego, who I don't even know if it's a high school anymore. I think it's like an Academy type of thing now, but it, they're real close to the beach. So we get down there. I'm really fired up. And about, almost to kickoff, the fog just starts rolling in off the beach. And I'm like, this is eerie. This is not, I couldn't even see the sidelines from the middle of the field. 
Um, we ended up winning. I think it was 13 to two was the final score because no one could see the ball. <laughs> like you weren't throwing it past five yards because, you know, so it, it was kind of a interesting way to start your uh, varsity career at uh, in high school. But uh, we ended up going to the playoffs that year and lost the first round. And then that just kind of started building. Um, my senior year, yeah, we, it was a, definitely a struggle my senior year. We lost a lot of guys from my freshman team. Like I said, we went undefeated my freshman year. We were, we were stacked. And then just throughout those four years, different circumstances took kids every other places, uh, dropped out of school or whatever. And we weren't the same team my senior year, but yeah, you know, you look back and I talked to a lot of, I actually just talked to the uh, Nevada University of Nevada quarterbacks uh, yesterday morning. Uh, Matt Mummy is the quarter offense coordinator. And so we've gotten to know each other. And so he wanted me to come in there. And I, I was telling him about my last game at Nevada because it kind of suited there, but it was almost the same feeling in, at Fallbrook where I was getting those letters. I was getting recruited, you know, SC, you know, Colorado, uh, you know, Texas, all these teams. And I started kind of maybe looking ahead too much. And, um, you know, I, I, I really, I don't live in regrets. I don't have regrets. You know, you can't, it's, you can't live like that, but I look back and like, even my last game in Nevada was very similar where did I do everything I could for that moment or, I was kind of looking for looking ahead to bigger and better things. You know, mm -hmm. I, I knew I was going to go to college um, at Nevada. I knew I was going to get drafted, you know, and I, I don't think I ended the way I wanted to. And uh, I don't know how many people could yeah. really say that. I think a lot, you know, because we do start looking ahead, but yeah, I didn't end the way I wanted to at Fallbrook. Uh, I wish we could have won. You know, I think we were about a 500 team my senior year and I look at it and I'm like, I think I could have done a lot more by just living in that moment and letting the recruiting take care of itself. Sure. So there's a, you know, there's a, I look back and I wish I could have, I wish I could go back right now. I, I, uh, I'd love to play that last game one more time. So. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Most of us, that, that last high school football, most of us only play high school football and uh, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. So, okay, let's, let's go to college now. So you go to Texas, you already mentioned Nevada, but uh, you go to Texas, you're recruited, you're ready to go. And obviously something changed, something happened. Take me through your college years. Yeah. So I got to Texas and yeah, I mean, that experience alone, just being a Texas football player in Austin. And uh, I mean, it, it was an amazing experience. Uh, met a lot of good, good guys there. Uh, unbelievable athletes. Uh, just got to really see what big time football was. I mean, that was a, you go, from any high school to a, a level like Texas, I mean, the speed of the game, the, the playbook, the expectations, the time that you have to spend in the weight room, in study hall, then you got to go to practice and all the meetings, and then you got to eat somewhere in between there and you got to go to class. I mean, that was uh, just a, I was a 17 year old kid when I walked onto that campus and it was mind blowing, you know, so, but I was there and obviously the first year I redshirted and, but the great thing was I got to travel every game, my redshirt year and I suited up and they, I knew I wasn't, they told me, you're not going to play it. We just want you to get the experience of 
traveling, suiting up. I was a signal caller. So if you look on some of the games, I think it was the 1993 or 90, I think it was my freshman year, 1993 Texas OU game. You know, I was back then I was standing right next to the head coach because I knew I was going to get on TV somehow, <laughs> some way. I'm the signal caller for the quarterbacks. And so that was my year, but it was, it was a good experience because it got me where I was still traveling, but I didn't have that pressure of, you know, the playing part of it, but I took everything in. I enjoyed my time. And, and then the next year, uh, you know, really in the spring, uh, the job was, kind of open, you know, and so going into that year, really the backup job was open and it was me and another guy who was a, was a freshman, just like I was, he was a Texas, uh, uh, high school player of the year coming out very highly recruited and we were going at it. And about midway through our, the fall, um, no, it was a little bit earlier. We were playing at TCU and they had named us backups like it wasn't I I was two he was three or he was two I was three they were very adamant like no you guys are two both of you mm. but TCU comes around and we're beating them pretty good and they put him in I was like huh what's something's going on that I don't know about you know <laughs> and so as that year kind of went on I'm not the I'm not going to ruffle feathers I'm going to go out and just try to work my butt off and the, the, the day before, or the week before we were going to play uh, OU, uh, our starter gets hurt. And so the whole week leading up to the Texas OU game, they pulled us in and said, guys, you're going to get equal reps to see who starts against OU. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, you get out there on Monday, those equal reps weren't as equal as they, they were saying. And there had been some other stuff and, and the political – uh, part of college football I found out real quick it, it exists and there was long story I start you know stuff started coming out and what had happened in the summer between that quarterback and the coaches and there was a lot of stuff and so at that time I knew I wasn't there to be a part of Texas football right a lot of kids in Texas they'll do anything just to be on that sideline in the locker room to wear the sweatshirt I was a Southern California kid. I could not care less about Texas football. I just wanted to play football. And with some other circumstances that I had really no control over, uh, it had nothing to do with on the field. It was a lot of off the field stuff. So I, I kind of said, I called my dad up and I said, dad, let's start looking around. Let's go, let's see what's out there. And um, he started uh, putting out some feelers, talking to some coaches and, and then um, we really felt that it was time to, to move on and, and go get another opportunity. And so I asked coach for my release of my scholarship and uh, started the recruiting process over again. And that's when, you know, we were looking at that time, you couldn't just transfer. You had to, if you go D1 to D1, you had to sit out a year. If you go D1 to one double A at that time, I could play the next year. So we were kind of like, what should we do? And um, I decided, you know what, I want to go D1. I'll sit out that year because I know it's going to get me better. And um, I had a couple options out there. And then Nevada calls me. I had no idea about Nevada. And uh, they call me, Coach Alt up here calls me and tell, ask me, well, actually, the story is the quarterback who was playing there played at Tem uh, Temecula High School, which is just above Fallbrook. 
and my mom taught him in high school. And so I knew oh, wow. uh, Mike and he had transferred to Nevada from a junior college. So I actually just called him up like, hey, Mike, what's this transfer thing? How'd you do it? You know, wh what it looked like. And then I was like, I'm thinking about maybe, you know, switching schools. Well, literally the next day is when Nevada calls me and I'm like, oh, Mike must have told the coaches. So, but it all worked out. Uh, you know, I started looking Nevada up and they were leading the nation in passing, nation in scoring, nation in total offense. I said, man, this might be a good fit for me. Uh, so I came up here on a recruiting visit and fell in love with the school. And more importantly, I fell in love with the football because that's what I was really there for. Um, you know, obviously the school is one thing, but I, I wanted to go where a good fit for me football wise and just listening to the coaches, uh, just how they ran this program out of hard work uh, and they and the just the development of players. And then I started seeing some of the players. I'm like, there's some there's some dudes up here, man. It, it's not much different than Texas. And uh, so I committed and uh, came here in that spring and worked my tail off. It was hard coming up here because they were old school football. It wasn't all these five-star recruits. Uh, Coach Alt put us that spring. I thought I was going to die. Uh, I had never worked so hard in my life, uh, but it really changed my whole career. It changed my outlook in, in the weight room, on the field, my how I attacked meetings, um, how I attacked the run game and just the knowledge of the game. Um, it was the best thing for me when I came up here. How did you stay so patient knowing when you leave Texas, you're not, you know, you're, you're frustrated because you're not playing. You didn't play the red shirt year. Obviously you're around it. You're, you're supposed to be the backup. You're not seeing getting action, getting the opportunities you wanted. How did you stay patient knowing that if you did transfer again, you would have to sit out another year, sit out a year. Um, but ultimately knowing you would get more opportunities I mean, you're not going to play. It's, it's cut and dry. You're not going to play it, but yet you're willing to, to dive into all the work. How, how did you mentally stay involved in it like that? You know, that was the big decision, you know, I mean, cause I graduated and I played every down in high school. And then when you leave high school, you red shirt and that's tough. It is tough. And then the next year, like you said, I think I got in a couple games at Texas um, but then knowing I had to sit out another year, that's going to be three years really that since my high school career. But I think what my focus was, was the process. You know, you hear Nick Saban. I watched Nick Saban on uh, a football life and any documentary on him. He, the results he says are sometimes what, what, what hurts you, you know, and thinking just the results, thinking the results and not worrying about the process. And looking back, it, it wasn't that hard of a decision knowing that my ultimate goal was to get to the NFL. Um, playing one year or playing all four years, it didn't matter. I had to develop as a quarterback some way, somehow. And when I went, when I came here at Nevada, uh, I knew I wasn't going to take first team reps because I was ineligible, basically. Uh, I had to sit out, but I knew I was going to do scout team. And our defense was really good, physical. And I took that scout team and I said, I don't care. No one else is doing scout team. I'm doing every rep at scout team. If we're running speed option, I'm running it. If we're quarterback run, I'm doing, it doesn't matter. That was my time. And I really feel 
that year I sat out physically, I developed because the weight room here was unbelievable. Uh, the work ethic, like I said, but, but when I was out on that field, that scout team was my game day. And it was, it was tough. They, they pushed me around cause they knew I had just transferred from Texas. They wanted to kind of make their mark on me, but they pushed me that defense and those coaches pushed me. And uh, ultimately that's, I, I really look at that year shaping me into being able to play all the years I did. Wow. I mean, with, with today's athletes in college, you know, the transfer portal and I mean, I mean, name, image, image and likeness, that whole thing, it's totally different. It's, I, I think the court, even a backup quarterback at Texas is going to get more opportunities money-wise than the backup quarterback at Nevada. That's just, uh, that's just business now, which is a whole nother element to college football. Uh, but, but what would you say to kids who are in that position where, Every, when everyone's recruited, everyone is, hey, you're our guy. You're our guy. Uh, you know, you, even Joe Montana, I heard him talk once. When he went to Notre Dame, and there were seven freshman quarterbacks they brought in. I mean, and those are all good guys. So wh- where is that fine line? Where is that balance between trust the process, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and also staying hungry for opportunities and not being bitter when you're not really getting them because there's other good guys in the room, too? Yeah, I think really it comes down, every situation is different. I really believe that. Um, you know, looking back, I probably would have entered the transfer portal because of the situation I was in. Um, I found out things um, that was, like I said, out of my control. And I, I knew I, I, because of those, I don't know if it would have mattered how good I would have done on the field, you know, at Texas. So I knew I had to make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the best for me, my career. There's, there's no doubt about it. That was the turning point of my career is when I said, yeah, I, let's get out of here and let's go play at Nevada. But, you know, it's, it's hard to second guess kids and watch their, these kids because, because of the transfer portal and because they've allowed kids to like leave and play right away. Are, are you allowing or entitling is a big word, um, uh, are they, are when life gets a little difficult or maybe you aren't playing as good as you think you are, or, you know, they are real quick to get out of situations now. Um, but there are some situations that, yeah, you get recruited and you're, like you said, when you're getting recruited, you're the, you feel like you're their number one person. Well, they're recruiting about five other guys and they might bring in two or three more guys. And then you just become, it's, you become in the comp, you, you start that competition and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, so I really think, you know, the, I don't look at the transfer portal as necessarily being a, a, a super bad thing. I think it's allowed kids to jump ship a lot quicker without really thinking of consequences where I had to think of my consequences. I had a consequence. And I had to sit out a whole year, really. I, I, I got there in spring. I didn't get to play until that next, you know, I mean, it was like a long time that I didn't get to play. And so I had to make a really kind of a, a tough decision to leave Texas where these kids are like, oh, you're not playing me. Well, I'm out of here. And they use it almost as a, as leverage, you know, and, 
And I think other coaches are buying into that where shoot, now we can come in and swoop these guys up, start sweet talking them, start this recruiting process and building them up. And then we're going to get these kickbacks. And so I, I look at it as if you truly feel that you can go and you need to go play somewhere else, then those are the rules, you know, and, and go for it. And, but also to learning how to fight through things, learning how to uh, compete and yeah, you might get the second job, you know, you might become the backup, but Hey, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to jump ship or you're going to be like, no, now it's time for me to step up. I'm going to start working even harder. I'm going to prepare harder and I'm going to get my spot back or I'm going to take over that number one spot. So I think there's different circumstances uh, where the portal can be effective, but also I think there's circumstances where it has hurt college football as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it feels very top heavy now. I mean, this feels like there's only 10 teams really that uh, have a shot to compete at the in the playoff and everything. And, and, you know, they get all the best players, but Hey, that's, it is what it is. Uh, now tell me about your, your playing days at Nevada. Uh, Todd mentioned to me, uh, you, you led the NCAA in, in passing when you did step on the field. So what was it like playing for the Wolfpack? Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, we, we had a great system, uh, great coaches, and it was very, very uh, detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And which I love, I I love the run game. You know, you think oh, quarterback, we're going to throw for 400 yards a game. Don't worry about the run game. I was like, we spent more time on that run game and my checks and my audibles and all that throughout the week than we ever did on the passing game. And uh, so I learned so much, you know, coach all and coach Klinakis, who were my coaches up here. uh, They were the inventors of the pistol offense. So Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, yeah, they they knew what they were doing, you know? (laughs) So, uh, uh, I learned so much football um, just being up here those three years. And then uh, once I, once I got my shot, my uh, junior year, I had to battle though. Yeah. They, I just didn't get named the start. Those first three or four games, they were platooning uh, me and the other quarterback. And then eventually the fourth game, I was the starter from then on out, but it was never easy. Uh, you know, they didn't make it easy on me, but also at the college level, it, there's some really good players and it was always competitive but um, yeah, my junior year, I ended up, I think, conference player of the year. Um, we ended up going to the uh, uh, bowl game. Um, and then, you know, then that's when that hype started. You know, uh, I was, I think, fifth in the nation in uh, passer rating. Uh, yards were up there, total offense. And so, you know, going into your senior year, that hype starts coming on. And oh, we had a lot of good returners coming back. And so the whole offseason was you know, hyping us up. And, and uh, I think we started my senior year. I think we were ranked 25th in the nation. We were going against Colorado state and we go there and uh, yeah, we didn't play real well. And that was pretty much the end of our rankings for that year. But um, this, my senior year was up and down. Um, I, uh, we played Oregon at home and I took a hit and I uh, separated my AC joint and my shoulder. So I had to miss a game right after that. Uh, but then I came back after our bye week and finished out pretty strong. And uh, yeah, it, it, again, it wasn't the ending to my Nevada career I wanted. Uh, we were co-conference champions, but we didn't even get a ring because we were like, we didn't, we don't deserve a ring. You know, we we lost to be co-conference champions, not one to be champions. So uh, we didn't even get a ring for that year. We were like, no, we're good. 
I like we're it. Not, we don't even, we're not, we're, we don't accept co-champions. No, I love it. Oh, we need yeah. more of that. No participation uh, awards. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, so uh, John college career ends, uh, but you knew that your playing career was going to continue. Uh, you knew you'd be drafted. Uh, take me through the draft process, uh, maybe leading up to the draft. Uh, and then of course, draft day or, you know, day two, whenever you went, uh, what all that was like, and then uh, your early days in professional football. Yeah. So, uh, you know, right after that, you know, you got to sign with an agent and start you, and the training begins. You know, I was invited to the, the NFL combine. I was invited to all all-star games. And so, you know, you don't get a much of a rest when you're preparing for the NFL draft. So I went and uh, stayed down. My agent was from Santa Monica area. And so we lived down there on the beach and trained and worked with the best, some of the best quarterback guys, some of the weights, uh, the strength coaches. We were on nutrition programs. We were working with uh, Long Beach Poly's track coach to get our 40 yard time down, you know, all this stuff. So we, we, we went after it. Uh, combine, I went in there. I felt I did really well, ran a very fast 40, uh, did all the combine stuff, uh, threw the ball real well. Um, then, you know, you start getting the projections start coming out. Um, I was projected kind of a third, fourth round guy, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf. That was the, that was the year for them. Oh, wow. and so they were one, two. And then there was a group of us kind of in that third round group. And so going into the draft, I was like, my agent kept saying, you know, Jacksonville, uh, there was a couple other teams there at, in the third round that looked pretty good, but you just start seeing other names come off the board and, you know, you start that first day ended and I didn't get drafted. And so a lot of disappointment and it was a hard day looking back uh, in the moment. It was really tough. Uh, you know, you start doubting yourself. You're like, what's going on? Am I good? Can I play at this level? And then finally the next day comes agent talked to a couple teams. Oh yeah. Fourth round, no problem. Fourth round goes fifth round goes. And finally, Dolphins call me in the sixth round. By that time, I'm like, should I just go free agent or what? Because now I get to choose where I go. Uh, sixth, seventh round, you're kind of just scraps. You know, you feel like you're just, they're just like, oh yeah, we'll take this guy, you know. But uh, it wasn't at the time, like I said, it wasn't the greatest experience. But now looking back, I'm like, I got drafted in the NFL. Yeah, Not many people can say that. I don't care what, what round um i can always say that and so now i'm so much more appreciative of that day uh as i've grown older and really look at you know that that was a special time not that's i mean how many people get to say they were drafted so at the moment yeah it wasn't that fun but now i look back and and it it was a uh, special time just to be able to get my name called and Jimmy Johnson calls me on the phone and all that fun stuff. So, but yeah, my NFL career, uh, you know, that's the one thing. I don't know why the Dolphins chose me. They already had their three guys. But I look at that, what a great experience walking in that locker room for the first time. And Dan Marino is sitting right there. He's got the locker right next to me. Um, he's taking me out to breakfast in his Corvette, going through the McDonald's drive through uh, you know, doing drills with him watching him practice, watching him um, go through meetings, watching him prepare. And he, he coached me more than any other coach on that team. And I don't know why, I don't know why he did that, you know, but 
he just would always be next to me helping me and and um, and then I would just watch him and this was after this was probably his second to last season and he couldn't move but man he could sling that ball still and his anticipation so I learned tons from that I look at that as being what a blessing because Dan Reno was kind of my guy that I looked up to as a kid and then being in the same locker room and then being in the same car going out to dinner it, it was a pretty special experience so wow that's uh that's awesome to, to be alongside one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they had a great organization and uh, Jimmy Johnson, a legend as well. I mean, a pretty awesome, awesome uh, experience. As you mentioned, uh, I, I just can't imagine it stepping in the room with someone like Dan Marino, who was towards the end of his career. You know, he was going to be done soon after that. And uh, theoretically you were one of the guys in there to replace him. So that's not always a, uh, you know, a, an easy situation, but it sounded like he made the most of it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, John, uh, your time with the dolphins wasn't all that long uh, from what you told me earlier. Uh, what, what happened and then where did you go from there? Uh, yeah, they just had too many guys. Uh, they got rid of me. Uh, I went to the Falcons for training camp a little bit. And then the next year got signed by the Browns. Uh, it was the first year that the Browns came back 1999. So that was an experience all in itself to be a part of, I was one of the first signees uh, actually for the whole organization and to see it building and all the supplemental draft or the expansion draft, they called it the, I got, I got signed before the head coach even got hired, you know? So, (laughs) um, but no, that was, uh, that was a good time. You know, lived in Cleveland for a little bit. And then about four or five days into training camp, I was third string. They had just drafted Tim Couch. Ty Detmer was the backup. And so coach told me, hey, you're, you're our third guy. It's your job to lose. Um, so I was excited. And then about four days into training camp, I hand the ball off, boot out, and I step wrong and I break my foot. And it was a bad enough break where it was about a 12-week recovery. And as a young quarterback, they're not going to keep you around. They're, you know, they got enough. They, they don't need you anymore. And that's part of that business. You know, they're, you're only as good as what you can help them with. And so I had surgery in Cleveland. And at that time, my wife and I, or my, we had just gotten engaged. And um, so headed back home, headed back to Nevada and did all my rehab here at Nevada. And then uh, had to make some choices, you know, was it, was it, was my career over? Uh, or am I going to go back to the NFL or what were my options? And uh, so that was definitely a, a turning point in my life and my career. Well, one of my favorite stories, uh, because I'm a Rams fan, is uh, Kurt Warner's story. And, you know, he, he was, uh, his situation was after you. So you maybe didn't have that to kind of look at and be like, hey, what if, or maybe, you know, because it sounds really similar to kind of Kurt Warner's situation where uh, he went to a few training camps and then didn't get picked up and then ended up in the arena league. So how soon after being uh, cut by the Browns, did you wind up in the arena league and, and, and why did you, why'd you go that route? Did you just want to play or did you, were you still holding on to kind of, Hey, maybe someday the NFL uh, will like what they see. Yeah. So at that time there was the NFL Europe, there was the, the Canadian league and then the arena league. And at that time, the CFL was, in shambles. Uh, my agent says, don't go up there. They're not paying players. Now it's a great league. Uh, it, they're, they, they're, they've really turned it around. It's a great place to go play. The NFL Europe was hard because I wasn't going to be allocated by an NFL team. So even if you're the best quarterback on the roster, they're going to play an allocated player. 
Mm. And then I was, so I was like, well, what the heck is arena football league? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? So my agent said, why don't you just go, go play, go, go have some fun. So I started making some phone calls and, and uh, talked to a couple teams and, and my wife and I were just back in Reno. We were going to get married in the next January. And uh, she was here swimming. She was training for the Olympic trials in 2000. So I was like, I'm not going to go all over the place. So San Jose, just over the hill. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I went over there, did a workout and uh, they signed me right away. And it, I signed literally right before my wedding in January of 2000, went down to my wedding came back up a couple, we went on our honeymoon and then ended up in San Jose and uh, played there that spring. And yeah, my thought was, Hey, I'm going to be in one year in the arena league and I'm going right back to the NFL. And, uh, but I just fell in love with the arena league um, from day one, just the atmosphere, the, the style of play. Um, and then you started seeing these guys. I'm like, these dudes can play. It's yeah. not just a, rec league i mean these guys are ex nfl guys d1 players um they're i was with some unbelievable talent all my years in arena league and uh it was just a it, it was san jose was an amazing organization uh you know we were heads and shoulders above everybody else and uh our owner i mean he had his own we had our own private jet uh it was ridiculous and it was a blast and then 2002 uh, ended up winning the championship. And, um, that really kind of solidified me in that league. Um, and you know, my thought was, you know what, if the NFL comes calling, yeah, obviously, but I'm good. I love yeah. this style of play. I get to play football. Uh, I get to make a little bit of money doing it. And, um, I loved it. And, uh, then my career just, you know, took off after that championship and, uh, it, it was, looking back, it was, it was a, a pretty, pretty sweet career. I, I actually, uh, I enjoyed most of it at least. Oh yeah, for sure. And for those that don't know arena football, if you haven't seen it on TV, it's, it's crazy. I believe it's uh it's eight versus it's eight man football, but yeah. it's all, I mean, it's all passing basically. Uh, it's on a 50 yard feet. It's a totally compact. There's, there's like walls on the sidelines imagine like a, a, a hockey rink almost or something, but it's 50 yard field, the field goal, the uprights, there's these, there's these nets and cages. So the ball's kicked off the net. Uh, it's really weird to see. I went to one game uh, the Anaheim piranhas back in the day, but uh -huh. I've yeah, a long time ago, but I watched a lot of, uh, arena football. Cause I've always said, well, some football is better than no football, you know, they yeah. have on TV, but, uh, yeah, arena football is nuts. I mean, was it, was it, is it, is it as fast as it looks on T? I mean, everything's so compact. So it's a totally different game, right? Than 11 man football. Yeah. You know, ultimately it's football. I mean, yeah, like yeah. I said, I mean, I had guys that were four or five, six year NFL vets. I got guys from Florida state from everywhere you could think of, you know, uh, the talent was there. You just had to adapt to the, to the, to the field and the quickness, the quickness was ridiculous. <laughs> You know, and I came from the NFL. And so everyone thinks, oh, the speed of the game is this and that. And the NFL, I'm like, no, nah, it has nothing on the Arena Football League. And, and I'm talking Arena League 2000, 2008. Those years, uh, it was phenomenal talent, phenomenal owners. Uh, we were on ESPN. We were on ABC. We were on NBC. Uh, we were getting paid real well. 
uh, sponsors were everywhere. Uh, they were doing it really, really well. And, um, but yeah, that, that league, man, it, it was always exciting. No one was ever out of a game. Uh, one game I scored two touchdowns in 12 seconds and we won the game. Uh, you know, we're, you're never out of the game. You're throwing the ball like crazy. A hundred touchdowns a year, you better get, or you're not going to be playing. And uh, <laughs> no, it, it was a blast. And, and I think the most important thing was, you know, yeah, you could, you could be in the NFL and you could play and be as a backup quarterback and kind of a journeyman, but there's nothing like being on that field and going through those situations, uh, the highs and the lows of throwing a game winning touchdown or throwing the game, losing interception, um, getting hit, getting beat up, uh, going through the trenches with your guys, you know, yeah, I could have been, you know, yeah, you could be a backup quarterback your whole life and make a whole lot of money doing nothing. But I don't know what, if I would have switched, you know, being a journeyman backup guy, not throwing, throwing two touchdowns my whole career or playing in the arena league, going through what I did, throwing 750 something touchdowns and having those experiences. And the best thing about it, my kids got to grow up in the locker room with me. They came to almost all the practices. They got to go in the locker rooms at the games. They were a part of the team. And um, it, it was a special moment for me and my boys and my family, and also the camaraderie with the guys that I still have to, to the day. Oh, that's, that's awesome to hear, man. Um, Cause yeah, we all see the, the, the big stuff on TV. We see the NFL major league baseball. I, I worked in the minor leagues for a few years. So I see, you know, the difference it's still, it's still the same game, but it's like guys are just playing to play or, you yeah. know, trying to achieve that goal. Uh, I, I got to ask you this as someone who's kind of played uh, at, at uh, the professional level, why is it that other uh, I'll, I'll just call it minor league football uh, why is it other leagues like the XFL, like the American Alliance of, uh, of Football, the AAF? Why is it that there hasn't been a sustainable? Uh, not, I don't. I don't like the term semi-pro. I, I still. I don't understand what that means. Semi-pro. Uh, you're the pro. You're not. Well, we were. I was getting paid. <laughs> professional football, professional baseball. It's not semi-pro, but uh, minor league football or whatever. How come there hasn't been a sustainable uh, lower tier league than the NFL? You know, I look at it, I think the Arena League is probably the one that has, you know, it's not like it used to be anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, it started way back. Um, I think 88 was the first year, something like that. Uh, There's four teams. They figured, hey, let's start this. But mid to late 90s, it really started picking up. And then my years, uh, I mean, there was a lot of good talent and a lot of talent going up to the NFL and yeah. a lot of talent coming down to the arena league as well. But again, it's the perception of that league that some people, Oh, that's not real football. I'm like, well, then why don't you put those pads on and yeah. come out? And <laughs> when you get hit and then you say, Oh yeah, that that's not real. It's, it blows my mind, you know, cause I played it. I played at a high level college. I was in the NFL and the arena league. There wasn't much difference. Yeah. We were on a 50 yard field. Yeah, there's some rules here and there. We're playing with eight guys. Football is football. It's, it wasn't a gimmick, but I think that really had lasted because it was such a fan experience. Yeah. The overhead, we weren't at, towards probably 2000, 2001. 
guys started getting paid pretty well. But the overhead, you know, you're you're not to run a, a full on, you know, 11 man. I mean, you got 50 something guys. We traveled with 20, 22 guys sometimes, you know, we're taking Southwest Airlines because we don't need anything else, you know. Um, but I think the one issue was obviously the XFL and those teams. You can't compete with the NFL. Number one, you're not going to take its place. You're not going to take its fans. You're not going to take its money. You're not going to take its players. The USFL way back did a little bit of that because they had the cash. But you look at the XFL, they came in right away back in the first XFL. We're going to take over. We're the new football. No, you're not. The NFL is ingrained. You're not going to compete. Then you look, I think just being humble, and being like, you know, right, this is who we are. We're a feeder program into the NFL. Let's let's develop players. Let's not just have a, our own random league. And but you look at some of these leagues who, you know, they brought NFL coaches in, ex NFL coaches, and uh, you know, it's it's sad because there's a whole lot of football players out there that aren't playing because there's not a job out there. There's not a league out there that you can go play. You can go over to Europe. You can go uh, South America. You can go all that, but you're not going to get paid as much. But in America, you would think that you'd have the NFL and you'd have a development league that the NFL could help fund and where they could pull from those guys and give guys a career in these development leagues, kind of like minor league baseball. But I think it's money. I think there's some pride <laughs> and uh, I just wish there was more opportunities for football players out there. Yeah, I agree. You got all these guys who get cut. I mean, a hundred, whatever it is, 90 something guys on a roster to start a season in yeah. the NFL and it gets down to 53 plus another, however many guys on a practice squad, but, but still, I mean, uh, live game reps, no matter what level I think is, is huge. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. Well, a great professional career indeed. Uh, what ultimately uh, made you step away from the, the field. I think you said at 37 years old, was it just time to, uh, to retire and step away? Yeah. You know, the league had definitely changed. The pay definitely had changed. Um, I was definitely, uh, it wasn't a family, you know, there wasn't a lot of guys with families anymore because of the pay a um, lot more younger kids just trying to make something go. Um, and then injuries um, 2011. Uh, I was in the best shape probably of my whole career. And I was 35 or so, but uh, first game of the year, I tear my Achilles and that was a tough one. And uh, so I, I went into rehab and uh, I actually came back super strong for the 2012 season. And then 2013, I end up in San Antonio. A friend of mine was the head coach. And um, I think my second game there, I tear my other Achilles. Oof. And that was pretty much it. I knew mentally, I don't think I can, I don't think I want to go through another eight months of trying to get back onto the field. Um, I knew that was kind of it, you know, obviously it wasn't the way I wanted to go out, played 31 years. And my last throw was, uh, you know, I, I go out with an injury and um, so, but it is what it is. That's, that's sports. You can't always have a fairy tale ending. Like some of these other guys, you know, Peyton Manning and, you know, John Elway, who actually was my boss for six years with the Colorado team. And, you know, just seeing how he went out, you know, that's kind of your dream, right? You're like, oh, that'd be awesome. 
go out on top and and on your own terms. But looking back, I don't I don't have any regrets. You know, I I, I enjoyed playing. I enjoyed playing the game first and foremost. I got paid to do something that I love to do, and it afforded me a lot of family time in the off season. I got into coaching even during my off season. We got to get into the ministry work during while I was playing. And uh, my family has some awesome memories of my time uh, playing. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, so tell me, uh, John, about uh, your ministry work, because you get done playing and it seemed like you had a very clear direction, uh, coaching and, and ministry work. So tell me about uh, kind of all that and how it eventually blended together into kind of what you've what you're doing or what you did and what you're continuing to do now. Yeah. So really it was 2006, um, 2005, actually, we kind of started a foundation. My, my wife and I, uh, we did a lot of work in the communities and uh, my father-in-law was kind of like, Hey, why don't you start? He was kind of into that stuff. And at the time, and so we started a foundation, not knowing what the heck we were going to do with it, but we started one. We were putting some money into it, doing some local stuff in Denver at the time. And then 2006, it was my, um, uh, that would have been my third year or so in the arena in Colorado. Uh, we had won the championship in 05. We had bought a house in Colorado and we were living there. P- felt pretty secure uh, as much as you can in professional sports. But um, God really was just leading us to do much more than just play football. And um, we, my wife got us on a trip to Ethiopia kind of as a vision trip for our church and our, our foundation. And the minute I stepped off that plane, that was where my life and my career changed 100%. Uh, I was playing football to play, to play, to throw touchdowns, to make money because I loved the game. But then after that trip and we started working with a children's home there, um, it was like, oh, that's why I am playing football. Not just for myself, not even just for my family to pay rent. It was so I could use that platform to speak up for those who are over in Africa and around the world who, who are in un, you can't even imagine their situations, what they're living in day to day. Um, it was, it was a platform that I took very personal and my whole career flipped. Like I was, I wasn't just a football player. I was like, I was called to do this other stuff and God was going to use football to do it. I don't know why I waited till I was 31 years old, but I was probably stubborn and maybe God had a plan earlier and I was just too tunnel vision on football, but you know, his timing is always, you know, perfect. And so we started our ministry really while I was playing and I would talk to my teammates. I would raise money for every touchdown I threw. And so Oh six, we started a a children's home. Oh eight. We opened up another one. Um, By that time we were working with street kids in the capital of Ethiopia uh, we started a street kid home. Um, and this is, you know, kind of while, uh, you know, I still was trying to focus on, on uh, uh, playing professional football, but I knew my calling wasn't just football anymore. Wow. And uh, I mean, I've always wondered with ministry, you know, where does, uh, where does, where does kind of funding to do all that stuff? Was it, is it, do you look, look to it from a lot of uh, uh, local churches to assist with these types of things. I mean, 
I, I applaud those who do it and travel to other countries and, and, you know, bring them medical equipment or Bibles or whatever it is. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that can be cost, you know, quite costly. And so how exactly does, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it all this ministry work is how do you get, get funding for stuff like that? No, that's probably, you know, for us, that's been one of the, one of the big issues, you know, it's been hard. It's, uh, you know, you want to do so much, but, um, you can only do so much with, with the money got, you know, and, um, you know, we started probably Oh six to 08. We were the, we funded our ministry, um, you know, with the help of my, my parents and family members, we would do some fundraisers here and there. I would raise money. Like I said, for every touchdown I threw, um, but then once the seasons, the arena league shut down for a year and we lost everything. Um, we lost insurance. We lost my job. We lost, and the housing market hit, we lost house. I mean, it was just a whirlwind of a thing. And really I, I was like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to fund this ministry? What are we going to do? From the day I said that I was actually in Uganda at the time I found out that I had lost my, my, my job and insurance and everything God provided in that month alone, more than we would have ever thought of putting in a whole year. And it was like really saying, you know, John, I don't need football to do this. I need you. That's it. And I'll use football, but I just need you. And I was like, oh boy. All right. Well, let's keep doing this uh, crazy ministry thing. And, and so since really 2009, um, you know, we, we've, it's been all faith, uh, 100%. We don't live uh, normal lives. We don't get paycheck, you know, every two weeks. Um, we don't have really churches sponsoring us or supporting us. We've gotten very creative with what we do. Uh, we run a couple businesses. Uh, we, we would open up guest houses overseas to help fund and also give us housing, housing to live. Um, we got into coffee business to help raise money. Um, we've kind of done it all um, because there, it is a hard life living on support. Um, because there's so much out there to give to awesome, awesome organizations. And we've kind of gone the other way. We have people supporting us. We have people supporting our ministry, but ultimately, you know, I'm, you know, we, we kind of fill in the gaps a lot with, with what we can do. And my wife runs a, a store under our nonprofit. Um, I work, you know, try to do stuff to do that. And we just, the ministry isn't our tithe. Mm. It's not like, oh, we're going to give money. It's like, that's what we do. Like if, if we need money for something overseas, it's not, well, it's not in the ministry. We can't do it. It's like, well, I just made this money. It's all part of it. It's a, it's our family foundation. It's all part of that. And we've had to get very, very creative with the money. <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, well, where is somewhere that maybe people can learn more information uh, about your nonprofit or your ministry? Uh, or maybe even a way that they can uh, contribute if they should so desire? Uh, kind of the, the umbrella is the Dutton Family Foundation. And it's a different foundation. It's not set up like a Bill Gates foundation. So get your mind out of there. Uh, we're kind of, uh, you know, we raise support and we, we, we do the work of the foundation. But under that, you know, you could go to DuttonFamilyFoundation.org. And my wife ministry is One Heart Global. 
Um, she does amazing work with, pro she gets products from all over the world. Uh, girls who have been rescued from trafficking make products. Um, we have widows. We have all kinds of project projects around the world that we get products from. We actually have a building a store in Redding, California. We do online sales. She does events. So, hey, if anybody out there, church groups, Bible studies, you want to sponsor or just have family or you know, like friends over, she'd love to come. And really her heart and passion, it will, you, you, people start crying. I mean, it's unbelievable, her stories. Um, so that's on there, that website. Athletes for the Nations is my sports ministry. That's all on there. And the work we do overseas is on there as well. So you can kind of get the whole general thing from the Dutton Family Foundation website. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we'll definitely uh, give that a plug for sure. And uh, so athletes for Nate, for the nations, I mean, what, what is kind of, um, I don't know, your mission statement, your goal, what is kind of to sum up what athletes for the nations is, how would you describe it for people and kind of your, your goals? Yeah, well, athletes for the nation started and uh, you know, we didn't know what it was going to look like. It has kind of morphed into a couple different things over the years, just with my playing career. But ultimately, it's success to significance. Uh, my motto is, hey, we're going to train for success, but we're going to live for significance. What's the difference? Success to me is throwing a touchdown, winning a game, making money, right? Who's that about? A lot of it's about me. And so when, when you train for success, it's good to be successful. It's okay to be successful. But if it's just success, I, I, it's not really worth much to me. And so if you live for significance, so significance to me is other people, you're, you're changing lives, not, you don't have to go to Africa to be significant in your own home. You can be significant with your wife, your husband, your kids, what a ministry that is. Hmm. But if you're just trying to be successful and not live a life of significance, I think you're wasting your time. And so with athletes for the nations, we love training. I love training. I love coaching. We do uh, sports clinics all over the place. Um, I coach in Mexico. Um, I've done coaching in Serbia and Croatia. I coach here. Uh, we do stuff over in Africa. So we love coaching. We love training and doing the physical side of it. But our heart is to get all every athlete, whether it's here in the States who have every opportunity or kids in Africa who have very little, get your eyes off yourself and let's live for significance. Let's live to change lives of people around you, um, whether that's going to Africa, whether that's going to Mexico on a trip with me and we're, we're pouring into people and loving on people, or it's athletes here in America who are like spoiled as all get up and it's all about me, 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 social media, selfies and all that stuff. It's like, get your eyes off yourself and start doing something with your success. And so that's kind of our motto is really using your success to be significant. Man, that's awesome. Um, so when you when you go to these countries, I mean, are you there for a, a week, a month? I, I mean, you, do you, you just roll out the footballs and say, hey, let's play some ball? And these kids are like, what what kind of ball is this? I mean, how, what, take me through kind of uh, what a, a trip or two is like for you guys. Well, we've done them all. You know, we've done 10 day trips to full year um, overseas. So we've done it all. We've done you know, we were just in Mexico uh, earlier this year for four or five months, something like that. Um, there's an established uh, sports program down there that I've been working with for a long time. Uh, you know, when we go to, we went to Croatia and Serbia and I did a, 
two-day quarterback camp and we were there for a while and then COVID hit and we barely got out of that country but um, and then we'll go to Africa we've lived there for a years um, we do a lot more soccer in Africa yeah um, I train them like the agility and strength and then I let the coaches do the rest I don't know <laughs> soccer enough they look at me like yeah I'm not learning anything from you but um, yeah so you know everything looks different like in the spring I'm trying to get a high school uh, group to go down to Mexico for about five, six days where we'll do a seven on seven tournament, but then the kids will have an opportunity to coach younger kids. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to go into the villages and, and help and love on people, maybe uh, build a house. Um, you know, it's really just, it's all different. It's different per country. It's different because of the cultures. It's different what it looks like here too, as well. But uh, yeah, our goal is, to eventually have a, a training, a sports academy here in the U.S. where, uh, you know, kids from all over the world can come get high level, elite level training for their sport, but also to be equipped to be sent out onto those teams, into that sport, back into their country to be, to live significantly and to um, uh, change lives, not just their own life, but others. Mm. Really good stuff. What a very noble cause and uh, absolutely great work. I'll be checking out uh, that website for sure for some more information and, uh, and, and this and that. But uh, anyway, you, uh, you're doing all this after your play, well, during your playing days and then after your playing days, and then you end up at McLeod High School and you're coaching uh, football and, and basketball with uh, this guy, Todd Carson. I mean, you've, you've been on NFL rosters. You've You've uh, played great college football and everything. And then you're coaching this tiny little school up at McLeod with uh, my good buddy, Todd, Todd Carson. Did, did it kind of, uh, I don't know, bring you, bring you back to your earliest of days playing in a small, small town or whatever. I mean, what was it like coaching with Todd? Yeah. Well, McLeod, first of all, we were probably the smallest school in America playing football. I think at the, the top, we probably had close to 30 kids in our whole high school and we played eight man football, but we had, you know, the first year we started it, Todd and I, you know, we worked, worked hard to uh, start this program after 16 years of never, they didn't have any sports for 16 years. And uh, at one time they were down to one kid in the whole high school, but for some reason we, we moved there. Uh, my son became, you know, started going to high school there. And uh, we started that program in 2018, I believe it was. And, um, we were, we were, we were pretty good that year. Uh, there was times in the second quarter, I was trying to call plays that weren't going to score because we were already up 50 to nothing. You know, um, we only lost one game to the eventual state champions then, or Northern California champions. And it was a fun year. Uh, it brought so much excitement to that small town in the cloud. Uh, the, it, it, it was really fun and doing it with a guy like Todd who wasn't just there for his career, wasn't there for wins. He, we really matched up with the heart of, you know, it was a mission field on that campus. It was a mission field with those kids on the team. And uh, he was unbelievable with those kids. I was kind of the, you know, I, I was my level, you know, and it, it's hard sometimes for me to, to simplify things. And Todd was so good with that. You know, we were one time, just as quick as that, we were throwing the ball, uh, pre pre uh, season, 
and I'm out there, we're throwing routes and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and there's like no one catching the ball. And Todd was just kind of like, we probably should just maybe work on catching a little bit first and then start running routes. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, we got to really get down to the basics of, of football. Now we did have some exceptional athletes that first year. And, you know, my son was a quarterback. We had some freak guys who could just, uh, I mean, we dominated like crazy, but Todd was a great, he was so calm. He was just very for the kids. I would, he always said, you know, I was always X's and O's loved it. And he was the, it was all about the kids, you know, and, um, and pouring into those kids and loving on these kids. And I learned a lot from him. And, um, and I, I hope both of us, uh, you know, I don't know if we see it now, I don't know, maybe down the road, but hopefully we made a difference in those kids lives because a lot of those kids wouldn't have gotten that opportunity uh, because there was no sports at that high school. And, and, you know, we came in and, and we had a weight program. Uh, we had pregame meals. We did a road trip actually down to Nevada. I showed them the camp. I mean, we, we tried to make it a, a really cool experience. And uh, uh, hopefully those kids look back and appreciate that. And um, it, it, it was a, it was a fun year. It was a real fun year. Yeah. I hope the parents and the kids realize how blessed they were to have John, uh, John Dutton and Todd Carson uh, as coaches. I mean, uh, the hall of fame work right there from both of you guys. A lot of people who listen to this podcast uh, are from Rio Hondo prep where Todd's from and, you know, eight man football was played there for a long time. And uh, Todd has touched a lot of lives as a, as a coach. And you're right. right. He does know how to, simplify things he holds players accountable assistant coaches accountable I, I can say a time or two uh i always joked with him because he was always coming up with ideas and i said you know about half of your ideas you have a lot of ideas but about half of them are good ideas you know <laughs> i'd be like why are we doing that? i i'd get worked up and then i would same thing with him i learned so much did you ever do this with him like he's got this snap thing going i'm like i I might call him later. I, I just thought, I'm like, what the heck was that? We did it all in basketball. Yeah. He he's always thinking mm. like ways to impact the kids and get the most out of the kids. And he would read books and research. And um, yeah, it was, it was awesome to those uh, couple years that we were together there. Oh man. I learned so much from him coaching from, from where I was my first year to where it was my fourth year. I, he was coaching me, you know, still, which was great. And you're right. He, he challenges, uh, kids to you know mature as a young man and that's what it's all about I mean for the McLeod to not have sports all those years kids were missing opportunities as we mentioned earlier sports is is so important it's great playing an instrument it's great being uh you know uh whatever uh, uh some other club in in school but there's nothing like the wins and losses of of athletics and the lessons you learn there and everything so uh you coach with Todd uh, uh briefly and uh, ended up back in Reno, where you're at now. Um, was there just an opportunity down there to go back to your old kind of college stomping grounds, or what took you uh, over to Reno? Well, yeah, it was kind of a, a COVID issue, uh, a California issue as well, uh, through because of my son, uh, just other circumstances. Sure, sure. Uh, so um, we ended up going to, you know, our school actually, you know, it, we just didn't have the kids to, to get a team. We weren't even in school all year because of COVID. Uh, we ended up going down to Mexico, like I said, and uh, being there four or five months. Uh, my kids were all online school. So uh, my younger son got to play football down there. Uh, we were just in seven on seven at that time. 
And then we were just kind of like, well, where are we going to go? We could go to Boise. We could go to Colorado. We can go to Florida. We can go to Nashville. I don't know. Where are we going to go? A um, couple months before that, my, my, other, my two sons, we were over in Reno a little bit playing some basketball, met some guys. And my son, my younger son just was like, I, I really like to go to Reno. Mm. And so we were like, all right, well, let's try to make that happen. So um, we kind of decided that maybe um, April, May, something like that. And we eventually moved here. I had talked to the head football coach at Reno High School um, a little bit before that. But, um, you know, we moved to the Reno area and there was a uh, open position on staff. And, you know, I coached at the junior college, um, you know, before that. And, you know, I don't know, there, there could be possibilities for me to move, you know, go to the college level and coach with my contacts and experience. But when my one son entered high school, and he was going to play football, I kind of made a pact like, you know what, I'm going to coach my sons, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be on the sidelines, I'm going to be uh, an assistant to an assistant, I don't care. But I I want to be a part of their practices, I want to be a part of their games. And yeah, I, 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 we had to give up a pretty decent paycheck coaching and uh, but would never change trade that for the world for my experiences with my kids. And so, and that was four years ago. And I, I got two more with my younger son. He's a junior this year. Um, and hopefully, you know, he gets to move on and go play college. My other son's going to go college, uh, play basketball. He decided to play basketball. He's a heck of a basketball player. And um, so, yeah, I'm coaching now. And this week I took over the offensive coordinator job just through some different circumstances. And sure. uh, it's fun. It's, oh. uh, it's a blast being there with my, with my own, uh, with my own kid. Yeah, that's that's got to be fun. You got to enjoy it because it goes fast. I mean, you know that you have a big family and, and you know, you're playing days even. Uh, but uh, you coach college ball, you're coaching high school ball now. Uh, tell about your family. You mentioned you have, is it five you have two sons, two adopted sons from from where? So technically, we have six kids, six kids. Uh, wow. We have two boys. My two oldest boys are officially adopted. I mean, we adopted them. 11, 15 years ago, some, you know, different years. Yeah. Um, but they're 25 years old. Um, and, and where are they from? Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I do have a son who, you know, because of his age, we couldn't officially adopt him and we can't just bring him over here, but he's, he's in Uganda. Uh, he's from Uganda. He's married and, uh, he's over there actually doing sports ministry, which is awesome. Oh man. And, uh, and so those are my three oldest boys. And then I have Zach, who's, um, who's the basketball player. Uh, he's 19. He's in Indiana playing basketball right now. And then my son, Drew, just turned 17 yesterday. And he's a junior. And then rounding them all up is my nine-year-old little girl. So uh, we got five boys and one little girl. So Wow. Wow. <laughs> He's very well protected. Let me tell you. Oh, I was going to say, man, <laughs> youngest daughter, all the, the brothers and then the uh, dad, I'm sure. I mean, uh, maybe they shall so- she soften up dad a little bit after, you know, all these sports yeah, and uh, energy and all this other, you know, guy talk, guy stuff. <laughs> yeah. My wife, uh, I- I'm kind of the yes guy. She's got me, she's got me wrapped around her finger. And, and the funny thing is she knows it and we, we can talk about it, but yeah, she can, she can pretty much do whatever she wants with me. So. That's, that's wonderful as it should be. And, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, your wife, John, what a, what a wonderful woman. She sounds like, uh, supporting you through all your playing days. I mean, 
Uh, you talked about her work in the ministry, how she's very emotional, everything. I mean, where did you meet uh, uh, Mrs. Dutton? And, and tell me a little bit about her. Well, my wife, uh, yeah, she was a, she's the freak athlete. Um, I mean, she was Olympic level gymnast. Then um, she had some injuries and different things, got kind of burned out with gymnastics. It's crazy at a young age what they have to go through. Uh, she took up swimming at, in high school and based, and became a uh, 11 time or something all American in college and went to the Olympic trials um, in swimming. And she did track at uh, Nevada as well. So just with us being athletes on campus, um, we just met through a friend of mine, a really, a really close friend of hers who actually now they're do ministry work in Uganda as well. But um, we just met my going into my uh, senior year or uh, the spring of my junior year. And, uh, we started dating right before my senior year and that was it. You know, wow. we, uh, we knew right away, you know, we were going to get married and yeah, she, she, you know, she's been through it with her sports definitely. Uh, but she's been through the thick and thin with me and, uh, it's not easy, uh, with me. You know, I, I bring a lot of stuff home after a game. Um, you know, I take losses pretty, pretty heavily. And, uh, uh, with injuries, you know, all the injuries, um, and all the ups and downs and travel, we've moved over 40 times in 20 years. Um, and then you add in the ministry work, the stresses of that. Um, and then you add in just normal life of parenting. And, um, she's, she's a, she's a unbelievable woman. And now her passion is just showing so much in her ministry um, her ministry to women. She has her own Bible study she does online, um, just like uh, uh, getting women to rise up in this moment. Um, to, and uh, she's incredible. Uh, not just in my life, obviously, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have had a, a, a as long of a career if it wasn't for her, just because the support, but also to see her now moving into her. I mean, she is fiery. She's passionate, but she has a heart for people who are suffering and um yeah it's it's awesome to see kind of god using her into her thing because she supported me so much and now she's doing her thing and um, i'm there for her and it's awesome to see wow what a what a wonderful family you guys have and just your experiences i mean uh this has been uh, so much fun i'm, I'm sure you got to get off to a practice here or something soon uh preparing for your uh, your game Friday night or let's see that's tonight tonight's uh Friday night. Yeah, so. we actually are on. We're we're guaranteed not to lose tonight. I'm guaranteeing it because we're on a bye week. Ah, okay, bye week. Gotcha. Open yeah. Friday night. You have to. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of nice. Um, you last thing I'll kind of ask. You know, you high school, college, NFL arena isn't, and now you're back coaching Friday night lights. Isn't Friday night lights just so? I don't know how to express this. Like there's nothing like Friday night lights, right? Even when you play in college and professional football, isn't there something special that guys just look at Friday night lights that's, and the opportunity to come back and be a part of it has got to be fun for you. Yeah, it is. Friday night lights is the, there's something pure about mm. football, you mm. know, and I know high school football has, you know, with all the recruiting and the social media and everybody, all these high school guys are on TV now, but there is something still very, very pure the innocence of football is still there. You move on, especially D1 level, it's a business. And even more now with the NIL and all the money involved and, you know, you're playing and yeah, there's tailgating. The fans are crazy. It's football. It's, you're still passionate about it, 
but there is something different, you know, and then professional, it's a whole nother, you know, that's yeah. obviously you can get cut anytime, anywhere. They don't care, you know, but <laughs> Friday night lights. Yeah. It, it's fun to come back to. It's fun to watch your kids be able to play Friday night um, and uh, be on the sidelines. And yeah, there is something very, very innocent and pure of Friday night light football. So. Oh, amen to that. That sums it up very, very well. Yeah. It all comes full circle back to uh, kind of yeah. <laughs> where it all began. So John, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk yeah, with me. You. Your, your story is amazing. Uh, uh, it's, I love football and I love the lessons and the stories you can kind of get from it. But, but again, the great work you're doing in the ministry as well. Uh, God bless you and your family for, for all that you do. And thanks for spending uh, about an hour and a half with me. Yeah, no, thanks for having me and uh, bless this uh, podcast. And thank you for having me on. You got it, John. Take care. All right. Wow. What a fun interview that was with John Dutton. Uh, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a good one, a really fun one, uh, informative, again, talking football, talking uh, his work after playing his playing football and coaching in the ministry. I mean, wow. I, I, if you're not full of some energy right now, then I don't know what's, what's wrong with you, but uh, thank you, John Dutton. And thanks to Todd Carson for setting that up for us here on the get home safe podcast, guys. I always encourage the listeners, if you have anyone in mind, hey, suggest some, suggest someone, throw them my way, and uh, I'll see if we can make it happen. So that's happened a few times, and looking forward to more and more uh, episodes here on Fridays where we talk with somebody, have a nice long-form conversation, just learn about their life, maybe their journey, and uh, maybe uh, their experiences, and get to learn something, uh, a thing or two along the way. So thanks, John Dutton. What a great way to get us around third and home safe for the weekend. Uh, really, really appreciated uh, uh, that that uh, conversation and that time. That was really, really fun. Uh, guys, as always, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have uh, social media platforms uh, that are Get Home Safe podcast for Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Get Home Safe pod, and our email address, gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. So send us some questions or some topics or just your general thoughts on things. If you'd like, uh, email us. You can also send us a voice message, voicemail, look in the episode, uh, information there towards the bottom. There's a link where you can do that. It's really easy. If you want to have your vo voice heard here on the podcast, Monday will be a real hundo prep football recap show. As, uh, always these past few weeks with head football coach, Mark Carson coming on. So we'll, we'll recap Friday's game and all these, look forward to the upcoming Friday's game and uh, should have a player on the uh, episode as well. If we can make that work, we will do, but uh, a lot of fun here, guys on the podcast. Thanks to John Dutton. I can't wait for the next uh, episode, the next interview. Uh, this, this fires me up when I'm able to do things like this with, uh, with some really, really great people here on the get home safe podcast. So that's it for me. Thanks, John. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. But as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Bye.